see if he figures it out today. I haven't seen anybody in the water today. Oh, am I the kiss of death on that? Of course I am. Okay. Anything you can do, I can do worse. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Chasing Par podcast. We'd like to welcome everybody to the new year, 2020. Uh, my name's Cole. I'm here with my brother, Alex. And we'd like to welcome everybody back and hope that everybody had a great holiday and is celebrating the new year. Uh, 2020 is upon us. It is a new season of golf. It's a new year. All your old ways are gone. It's all those dreams and hopes and aspirations for the 2020 golf season. They are here now. Now is the time to act on them. And for us, this is our first, what's going to be our first full year as a podcast. And uh, I, I got to say, I'm super excited for this. And it's great to have a fresh slate. Yeah, we got, we got off to a little bit of a late start in 2019. But 2020 is our year. They're saying this is the year of the year. So get with it. The, the roaring 20s is what I'm hearing. And we will be coming in roaring uh, loaded down with content, podcasts. We want to get involved in the scene. We want you to get involved with us. So everybody's excited. Yeah. And everyone, you know, the 20s, right? The roaring 20s. Everyone knows the Great Depression. The only Great Depression for us is going to be not getting out onto the golf course enough. We're really looking forward to this uh, this decade. Exactly. And I will say this is that uh, this podcast has kind of softened my wife up to allow me to play golf more. I keep telling her all my dreams and all my hopes for this. So uh, this has kind of made it a little bit easier to get out on the golf course, but being that it's January, things are kind of slowing down. I know they say global warming isn't real, but it has been in the 60s in Tennessee. So, you know, I, I will debate that later on down the road, but I'm excited for this year. I'm super pumped up. Like you said, we kind of got a late start, but we kind of jumped in right around the right time. We hit a, it hit our started our episodes around the uh, President's Cup, so we were, I think, pretty lucky with that. Yeah, that, definitely some valid points. And, um, yeah, I think this, this podcast could work wonders for a lot of guys out there, right? Get your wives listening, your girlfriends listening, get them involved in golf. Um, we, we got off to a late start, but we're really excited for 2020. So why don't you, uh, per usual, give us a little bit of the housekeeping. What do we got in store? So, as usual, we get these housekeeping out of the way so we can have our uh, uninterrupted, un, uh, unimpressioned period of podcast listening. So, we'd like to take a moment, though, to uh, talk about our sponsor here. It's been the holidays. We've had Christmas. We've had Thanksgiving. We've had the New Year. We've had not in that order. That was out of succession. My bad. I apologize. But we've had some big, big events that revolve around one of our second favorite things is eating. And what is one of the most underrated portions of Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's? What do you think they are? Uh, underrated portions? Yes. The, I, yeah, yeah. I, one thing that you, you take for granted almost. Oh, boy. Uh, I will go with mashed potatoes. I was thinking on a, uh, mashed potatoes while they are delightful, but <laughs> delightful at dinner, but terrible at golf tournaments. Don't be the guy that yells out mashed potatoes on the tee box. I was leaning more towards the like the appetizers, the finger foods around that holiday season. Oh yeah, what uh, 
Yeah, holiday. I mean, the appetizers definitely outweigh dinner, right? Dinner's kind of an afterthought. Fire me up with a couple cocktails early and let's get the appetizers flowing. I mean, you get pigs in a blanket, you get the cheese, you get the charcuterie boards. You know, the, I, 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 the charcuterie can come in handy and that can, that can drive it home. Get a nice cheese and meat plate out there for the kids. I mean, that goes a long way. I took the word right out of my mouth, the charcuterie boards. The charcuterie board is the most underrated appetizer in the game. And I, we have the people just for you. We'd like to uh, bring to light one of our sponsors, Honest Roots Design and Trade. They're a small company located here in the volunteer state of Tennessee. And they have a sincere commitment to quality and sustainability. They make woodwares for the home. Everything from charcuterie boards, cutting boards, meat trays. Pretty much if you can think of it, they could probably build it. Uh, it's run by a buddy of mine and he does everything. It, it's literally, he did Scrabble pieces for with his uh, kids names on them. They can do it all. And like I said, with the holiday season, the charcuterie board doesn't need to go away in mid May because it's not the holiday season. Bring it back out. He does trays with uh, grooves cut into them to drain the, the juices off the meat. But like I said, they have a honest commitment to sustainable products, quality. They're going out there. They're salvaging premium lumber they're planing their own wood they're doing it all again hit my buddies up at honest roots design and trade you can find them on facebook you can find them on instagram at honest roots dt slide in the dms put a request in give them an idea shoot them a picture they make top quality work so take a moment to check them out give them a follow on on all the platforms hit them up put an order in it's, again, a small company run by a husband and wife. Let's show them some love. So keep an eye out on them. They're, we're going to be working with them, partnering with them, coming up with new projects. So keep an eye with yeah, them. Yeah, great. I'm loving the idea. I'm loving the concept, the honest roots, right? You've, you've got a company that's putting out great wood products. You want to be a hero in your life, right? Christmas is over. Go out and buy a gift now. Give a gift to your loved one in the middle of January and see how much they appreciate that, right? Who couldn't use another cutting board? Think about all the times you've got a nice brisket, maybe sitting out there in the smoker for 12, 16, 18 hours on a Sunday. You want to put that thing on a nice platter in front of everyone. Get you some honest roots. Give the guys a follow and let them know we sent you. Let's get into the golf now. Like I said, we kind of hit our first episodes there right around the President's Cup. So we had a lot of talking points and we dove right into it. And that was, that was a big moment for us. It was a good start and jump point. It had content. It provided with stuff. I mean, it was a crazy tournament all in all. But what we haven't done is we haven't addressed who we are, what we are about. So we want to take a time to reflect on the, everything that went into the process of building this podcast why we care about this podcast, why we think you should care about this podcast. And let's get, you know, get that all on the table so that you can say like, Hey, this is, this is in my wheelhouse. This is what works for me. This is who I want to listen to. These are the type of guys that I want to relate to. So again, we are the chasing par podcast. We're two brothers. We currently live in two different States. Uh, and we've come up with this, this idea probably about a year and a half ago that we should start a podcast about golf. And kind of the, the genesis of it was we're two very average guys, two very average golfers. And we listen to all the other big name podcasts. We watch all the other YouTube videos. And it's great and it's fun, but I don't see myself going to Pinehurst for a week or making a big trip up the West Coast of California or 
getting a 10 day trip to play golf overseas. It's not going to happen. And it's not going to happen. We realized for most guys out there. And that's who we are. Want to appeal to is the common man, the everyday golfer, the weekend warrior. That's what we're looking to tap into. Yeah. You hit it right on the head, right? We're looking for the municipal crowd. Our group is really that weekend warrior who's out there paying $50 around on a Saturday and Sunday, hitting off tee boxes that are burnt and beat up, um, greens that have maybe just been punched, right? We're talking to those guys. We want to know about your experience, how you're turning your game from shooting 110s to getting down into the 90s, pushing down into the 80s and so on. We don't have the best technology. We don't have swing coaches. We don't have the money nor the time for lessons. Um, we're the common guy. We're the everyday hacker. If you were to paint the picture of the golfer that we're trying to get as the guy that set up a tee time with his buddy at nine o'clock on a Saturday morning and at Friday, Friday night at 10 o'clock, he's going through his bag. He's making sure he's got tees. He's finding his glove. He's marking up his balls. The guy that's excited to get out there and play golf, not the guy that gets to play so much golf that it's just part of what he does. We want to tap into that crowd that enjoys the process of getting out there. They enjoy going to the range and hitting a large bucket and then maybe throwing a small one on top to work on some other stuff. We, that's, that's who we are. You know, we, we've been part of country clubs. We've done that scene. It's great. But is it affordable? Is it sustainable? Is this a lifestyle that you can continue? And that's the best part of the game of golf is that you can play it from, I have a five-year-old son who swings a golf club and he doesn't play, but he enjoys the process of playing golf. He loves to hit the golf ball and you can play it all the way up to the day you die. And you can play the same competitive game that the pros are playing. You can play it in some form or fashion. So that's who we're trying to tap into right now. And that's who we're, we model ourselves after that's our, our genesis that's our ethos is that we're the everyday golfer tapping in to the scene of what every other golfer that's out there that's playing once you know once twice a week yeah and just the, the last thing i'll add on obviously we're doing this to get filthy rich right we don't want to have to work anymore we just want to play golf <laughs> we want to go troll instagram make funny comments on other people's pages and get get money for that that's the ultimate goal but yeah no we're, we're trying to connect with the common man right Par 72 on a public course, par 72 on a country club, right? We're, we're public course guys. We're looking to connect with the everyday hacker. And that's, that's not to say we don't want guys that are good listening to this. We look, anyone that's a golf fan is going to glean some information from this. No one just starts out as a two, four handicap, right? It's all about the progress. It's all about the process. It's about the chase. And that's why we're here. Exactly. And, and we're here for the guys that are sitting around in the clubhouse, drinking some beers, shooting the shit, talking like real guys talk. It's not about, you know, all the swing mechanics and all that. We want to be a relatable podcast. We want to be relatable to golf. So that's kind of who we are. That's our ethos. That's what we're throwing out there. That's what, you know, we're trying to put out. And why, I mean, why should people listen to us though when there's so many options out there? Why do you think they should listen? What's your, your five-minute sales pitch, your two-minute sales pitch? Yeah, that's a tricky one. There's so much noise out there. There's a lot of great podcasts that are covering golf at all different levels, right? You've got some that are super high-end that are going, as Paul mentioned earlier, right, to these, these very high-end courses all over the world. And that's great to hear about, right? And they're putting out great content. For us, we want, we're, we're relatable, right? We're guys that you could see yourself being. You, we're, you know, we're the two guys that when you only have one playing partner, you get paired up with us 
for 18 holes on a public course and you don't know us, we wind up having the time of our lives drinking some beers, maybe even swap up numbers at the end to play golf again, right? We're, we're guys that you could see yourselves in, no pun intended. I don't know how to follow that one up. I'll, I'll give it my best shot. But he's, you're 100% right. Where are the guys you meet on, on the first tee that, you like you said, you, you give a follow to on social media. You stay in touch. Hey, next time you're in the area, let's get together. That type of thing. And then we want to build a network like that where golfers from all over the world can say, oh, you know, oh, you're a chasing par guy? Yeah, chasing par. Like we have that, that relationship. We've built that network. We've built that community. And like I said, we're, we're – I mean, as we get – you learn more about us, we are very average individuals, so very average individuals. In fact, I'm recording this in my room at work right now. Yeah, we're very I mean, average. Our podcast studios, as we call them, right? He's got the, a room at work. I've got my bathroom in my tiny apartment, right? We are just, we're even less than everyday Joes, right? We, we're very average. And that's, I think, again, is that I want to, I, I personally want to relate to that person, that guy that's out there grinding it out, you know, the guy that's out there working that job, trying to squeeze it in. And that's, you know, we want that from you and we want you to get involved with us. Yeah. So we know you're the guy who's, you know, driving to work, thinking about golf. You're thinking, oh, can I get out and play a few holes tonight after work before it gets dark? Or can I squeeze into tea time? I have family obligations this weekend. How am I going to make this work? We're the guys you want to listen to to help give you that advice. We've got a great network. We're hoping to build a loyal following of people with a similar mindset. And on the topic of that, and I know we've, we're kind of jumping around here and it's it's very tough to explain all these visions that we've talked about for one year and try to focus them into one little bracket but we have so many ideas and we want you to grow with us and we want you to hear these ideas and we were talking about it we are the muni we're the muni guys yeah where can i get it in where can i play i don't care what the conditions are as long as there's a t and a hole and something in between but we also want to go out there and find those gems we want to find those little hidden gems i i'll speak on it we'll get on it later but I used to live up in central kentucky and there was a course that i could play 18 holes after noon for I think it was $24 and it's a Pete Dye. A Pete Dye design course for $24 off the beaten path. I mean, if you gave person, a person directions on it, they'd still get lost. The GPS would still get them lost. So it's finding these gems, finding where our, our money goes the furthest, where we can get the most experience, the most, the most, we can take the most away from the game of golf on a reasonable, relatable budget to everybody. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that helps give everyone a little bit of our vision. Tell us, Cole, like a little bit about kind of your current setup, just so that our listeners can get to know you. So as we said, uh, my name is Cole, and I, I currently live just outside of Nashville, Tennessee. I am married. I have three young children under the age of, well, I've been, my oldest is seven. Uh, I work as a full-time firefighter, so I have a I have a very good schedule for the game of golf. That's where I'm at. Uh, again, I, I, I'm all over the Southeast. Like I said, I'm, I'm outside Nashville. So what about you? Yeah. So I'm yeah, based out of New York city, working uh, tech consulting, right? So a lot of my job is traveling around the country, working with all sorts of different size companies, helping them implement some different types of software. It's an unbelievable excuse for me to bring my golf clubs, different places, uh, get to play kind of all over the country, wherever I'm based. Um, newly married, no kids. Um, but yeah, always looking for new golf courses as anyone that's been to New York City knows or anyone that lives in New York City knows is probably one of the most difficult places to play golf. Uh, the closest course, you know, travel time, right, may take me like 45 minutes to an hour. And that could involve 
anything from taking a bus to a subway to an Uber or just an hour-long Uber ride. Uh, we're talking not the nicest courses around here for the public tracks um, and quite expensive because all the other golf nuts in New York City need somewhere to play as well. You're carrying your bag on the subway to go play golf. It's a wild concept to be walking down New York City with a golf bag over your shoulder. Yeah, I mean, and, and anyone that's followed our page, you've obviously seen the uh, the bumblebee golf bag that I towed around. It doesn't really match up with any of my outfits, so not something I want to be walking down the street with in New York City. Which any uh, any golf bags out there that looking to get a sponsor, hey, we're here. We're, we need to get rid of the Walter Hagen. But if we can get a black and yellow colorway, that would be fantastic. Yeah, sign us up. So I, this is where it gets, I mean, we can talk about our experience and I think the we are brothers. Our experience in golf has started roughly around the same time, roughly influenced by the same man. And why don't you touch on that? Yeah. So uh, Cole and I are brothers, obviously grew up, grew up outside of Boston to um, a golf family. Our dad's a golf nut. We've been playing wow, for, since a very young age. I'm sure we had plastic golf sets when we could just start walking. Um, played all sorts of local municipal courses, city state owned courses that were cheap in our area growing up. Um, both of us, I think, consistently played a good amount all up through high school Then um, started differing off with the amount we played based on um, how life kind of transpired for us. But yeah, growing up, uh, father's a golf nut. Dad plays multiple times a week, almost all year round, as long as the weather's over 44 degrees or whatever his rule is. 44, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we, we are no strangers to the golf world. And it's something uh, that I think both of us have grown very fond of. Yeah, it's... I remember vividly remember my dad converting our living room into this like golf mecca little country club vibe. He had the plaid, uh, the plaid wallpaper trim, midway dual color walls, the antique golf photos all over the place. And I could just remember putting through the living room. So he really started us off. And like you said, we played a lot growing up. I know personally for me, I remember one season I played a ton with a buddy who was very good. And I just remember getting super frustrated and not playing golf for a while. Uh, and I think that's one of the big things about golf too, is that it's, you can always come back to it. And I, I know personally for me, I would play a lot, go away from it, come back, get the, get a little bit of the bite, get a little bit of the bug and, and always, you know, then maybe step away. Like you said, life happens, things happen and you, you can always come back. Was there any moment that you felt like you, you really got hooked in over the last handful of years? For sure. Again, I was living up in central Kentucky, uh, not where we're, I mean, again, we're from outside Boston. I knew nobody and I happened to move into a small little country town. Again, it had a pizza shop and a dollar general. Anybody that's from the South knows like you are in the sticks, like you're out in the country. If there's a dollar general around, like, you know, there's not a whole lot going on in that area when the only thing is a dollar general, but it just so happened. I doing a Google search and I was bored looking for something to do it was nice out and it said there was a golf course about a mile and a half from the from the house and it ended up being it's it's a place called the peninsula check it out it's in lancaster kentucky if you're ever in the lexington area it i highly recommend it it's a peat dye course but i went out there uh bought some ping g5s off ebay for i think a hundred dollars didn't fit it. I, I just said i think i need a stiff shaft again i had some and had knowledge of the game but just ordered them offline for cheap I had a hand-me-down driver and a putter that I think I stole from dad when I was home and went out there and I hit, I mean, it was a, it's a beautiful course. It's a beautiful setting. And honestly, it was therapeutic. And that was the moment that like, okay, 
this is my two and a half to three hours of me time that I can focus on me. I can relax. I can get away from it all. I can focus on, like they say, the little metal club and the little white ball. That's all I had to focus on. And that's really what hooked me right there. And then it was becoming once a week and then trying to get out, you know, when it was freezing cold and using it as a me time, as a personal therapy, a personal, like that process, like we'll talk about the process. I got bit by getting into the process. What about you? Yeah, I think like most people, right, you kind of, or guys our age, kind of play through high school, you usually get a, a new set of golf clubs around high school once you start growing and taking things a little more serious. Snagged a nice pair of uh, Ping I threes that I held on to for a good 15 years. And then I would say, you know, four or five years ago, it really hit me. I went out, um, hadn't been playing great golf, and uh, I think I had two low 80s over the course of a month, one of those beating my dad for the first time ever. And from there, I was like, you know what? It's, it's go time. I, I've got the bug big time. I, I got hooked. Uh, and then the last uh, couple of years, went out and invested in a new set of golf clubs, got fitted for them, got much more serious, um, and really started focusing on my game. So yeah, uh, as you were saying before, right, the game kind of ebbs and flows throughout your life. Uh, sometimes you just don't get to play as much as you'd like to, but every time you come back to it, it's that, it's that bug that just keeps biting and keeps spreading um, and makes you want more and more. And that's, I mean, that's, we're chasing par, we're chasing the process. We are, that's the beauty of the game, right? The ebbs and flows, the ups, the downs, the highs, the lows, you get it all in this game. And it, you can go out and you can shoot a 115. But if you pure that seven iron into the green one time, that's your ticket. I'm coming back. I'm chasing it. Or you bury that 35-foot putt that you have no reason, double break or downhill. You, you make that putt, that's what keeps you coming back. And then it's, it's simple things like you're standing on a tee, an elevated tee box and you're just looking out going, like, Why, when would I see this in my everyday life? That's the beauty of golf. And you talked about it earlier. You get to travel – you get to see these different places and golf just, it, it adds to the experience. You're out in nature, you're out in, this, in the environment, you're, you're mixing with the locals, you're seeing everything. It's just, it's a beautiful game and that's why we love it. I love it. And it, it is, it's, it's a whole encompassing life and, and it's a game that just eats you up and it takes a part of you and it, it becomes part of you. Yeah. For sure. Give us a little bit uh, so that people are listening, right? So they don't think we're just completely full of shit all the time. <laughs> Give us a little bit about your game, right? Tell us, you know, handicap wise. I mean, I get to play with you a, a good amount, right? But tell the people, our fans, what your game's like, you know, strengths, weaknesses, where you see yourself fitting in. Talk about the process a little bit. So I, I am a guy that can shoot. My, my best score, I've shot at 79 twice, and I can shoot a, and I, and I can stay in the low 80s, but I can easily drop a 110 on you like it's nobody's business. <laughs> I am uh, dating back to my youth sport days. I am a head case, self-admitted. I, you know, I'm one of those guys that once one bad thing happens, I'm, it's the, you know, the snowball's already started rolling. Uh, as far as strength and weaknesses, I am in a, I'm in this weird place right now where I am uh, – my accuracy off the tee, I think is one of my strengths. I stay in the middle of the fairway pretty well off the tee. However, my yardage is dropping. I'm down to averaging about 245 to 255 off the tee. I've I mean, that considerably slowed my swing down, uh, but I've lost significant amounts of different or distance. I also think that I'm a pretty good putter. Uh, that's one of my, where am I? I'm not going to, you know, I'll get some one putts, but I'm a big, 
lag player, I'll put it in about two feet for tap-ins. Uh, my wedge game is pretty good. Where I lack, where I think I probably need to put the most effort and emphasis is uh, my irons and my approach shots. I am garbage at greens and regulation. I spend more time chipping on. I got the I got the uh, Arco sensors on my on my clubs now, and I think it was something like forty six percent of my shots land short. So I also think that I'm stronger than I am. So <laughs> again, I'm I'm a mental midget of where you know how my game is. But my irons are my weakest point, and uh, you know I I've got to work on that. But like I said, I I think consistency off the tee and my you know my wedge play and my putting is there anyone yeah i mean is there anyone you you try to model your game after guys that you look at on tv now obviously we're not on the tour right but are there any guys you look up look up to from a game perspective obviously we all love tiger right but game wise who, who do you like and who do you try to model your game after so i've i've been a big uh, i guess that when i first started this i was a big uh, john daly guy like i'm just gonna rip everything as hard as i can i'm gonna buckle down i'm gonna rip everything that didn't work out too well for me. Uh, I've started to play more of the small ball golf thing where I'm perfectly okay with 250, a layup, a chip, and a putt, right? So I think, you know, like, my, you know, my local Nashvilleian, I got some Brant Snedeker in me. I've got a little Webb Simpson. I've got a little bit of that. Like, I'm not going to – I probably should hit it further than I do, but uh, I think I'm more of that small ball type of guy try to work my way around the course, be more tactical. And I think that that's been a focus of mine over the past year is to try to be a little more tactical, take what the golf course presents me rather than just try to, you know, muscle it, which is what I was doing in the past. Like, and it never worked out for me. So what about you? What about, what do you think your strength and weaknesses are? Yeah, it's a, that's a good question. Um, I look at myself as kind of like that mid handicapper, try to get out and play 30 rounds if I can a year would be a, a good number for me. Uh, strength wise, I would say putting and short game. I'm, I'm pretty good on the greens, probably similar to you, more of like a great, uh, a good lag putter. Um, try to minimize the amount of three putts. Although of course I'm notorious for them. Oh yes. around. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, definitely great at reading greens. I always feel like I have the read. I just don't have the putt. Um, but I'll say, yeah, short game around the green. I'd say my, uh, wedges are pretty silky. I can get up and down from a lot of different spots. Weakness for me, I'll tag on to a little bit of what you said. Mental midget. Um, I, you know, once one thing goes wrong, I tend to just, I'm, I'm cool and calm, but it's just, it's always in the back of my mind. And off the tee, I am an absolute nightmare. Um, used, to, used to be a high right guy. At one point became a low left guy and everything in between. I cannot find fairways. Um, it, it's, it's embarrassing. I went through a phase and Cole, you'll, you'll, you'll know this and can attest to this. And I'm sure a lot of the other golfers out there can attest. You go through that phase where ripping drivers just becomes not fun and you just lose a ton of golf balls. So you just <laughs> stop hitting driver. And I did that for, I think three or four years of my life and just ripped four iron consistently off the tee. And I know plenty of guys and have played with plenty of guys who have done this and they give up on the driver. Uh, I did it. And then now I'm back on the driver. It's just a bad bad addictive drug for me uh, but I'm learning how to harness it so yeah definitely uh, it's funny you said Snedeker you model your game after I, I said the same thing just because he buries putts um, yeah I'm, I, I would not consider myself long off the tee 
Um, 240 would probably be a reach for me. I feel like I have the muscles and the strength, but it's just uh, it's just not clicking. We've played in the past touching on that, and it would be like a par five, a long, deep par five, and he would go four iron, four iron, wedge, and still par. I'd hit, he'd still make par, and I'd hit driver. I'd hit a, like a hybrid or something in, try to hit something in there, mash it into the woods, and, it, and I at times would question. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the four iron, four iron. But it was it was funny, and I have seen some of the highest banana hooks off of a driver, off of his uh, club face, and I am nowhere. To, I'm I'm nowhere to talk because I mean I've recently figured it out. But it isn't it is interesting that you know we are both pretty tall in stature, both bigger guys, and and it's two forty, two fifty is is where we're topping out. Yeah, it's uh, we're we're inching closer to old man golf. I'd be fine with it if I if I was striping fairways. Uh, but that is definitely not the case right now. But think tacking onto that a little bit, right? You, you've definitely made improvements in your game. I, I know you've talked about the process a little. Any, any sort of like little gadgets you use out on the course that really have helped you out? I'm not a big gadget guy. Uh, admittedly, I'm, I'm a, I am a, a ping guy. I'm a big ping guy, and I blame my father the only reason i'm a ping guy is because my dad always or dad always played ping so that you know i automatically only ever played pings but ping ran a promo back a couple months ago to get the arcos i guess that you know you get a free set of arcos to monitor your game uh and statistics like that so i got that that's been probably the biggest gadget that i've gotten hey if it's free it's for me i gave it a shot so i did that uh that's been helpful i've i've got a ps watch other than that, like I, I'm not a big gadget guy. I don't really want to use a rangefinder. Um, you know, I think I'm like outside the pretty old school in that sense. Like even just you know keeping score on my phone is kind of feels awkward at times because you know it's having it in your pocket or going back and forth on it. Uh, but that's like my I guess my gadgets right there would just be to use the I use the Arcos and I do use the uh, Garmin uh, wrist GPS watch. What about you? Yeah, I I'm similar, right? I I had this old school mentality. So I, I caddied a little bit growing up and always like love to do kind of the math, right? Find that little marker in the fairway, walk it back and start doing some of those calculations. Um, the more and more I played, maybe I'm just playing not good courses these days, but I'm losing the markings in the ground. Can't find as much. Even 150 sticks can be tough to find. I know a lot of you listening are like, yeah, no shit. They, they don't mark courses anymore, really. But um, I have... I, I converted to the watch, you know, similar to you, right? I used the Garmin watch for a little bit, enjoyed it, but it was a little bit slow calculating. Uh, as I said before, I'm a mental midget, so I felt like it was constantly off by seven, 10 yards, which is a difference in club for me. Um, so I made the switch and broke down and bought a, uh, a very, very cheap range finder online that lasted about 10 to 12 rounds. It was unbelievable that it broke and just uh, bought a new one. So looking forward to getting that thing into action. I love grabbing it, uh, grabbing the distances from the pin, but similar to you, right? I'm trying to limit the amount of distractions when I'm out there playing. I mean, a lot of guys that, you know, a lot of our listeners are going to think the same thing, right? You play with your boys every weekend. The, the distractions are endless between cell phones going off, music playing, beers in the cooler, Guys, you know, packing lips, even that in your backswing can be distracting. Um, I'm trying to cut down on the amount of distractions. And, and really, I just want to get to, like Cole said, right, just the manual process of writing scores in my card and just going on from there. Yeah, and, and everybody's got their own little, their, their little quips and what they like. And, and there is so much information out there. There's so much technology out there that can only make you a better golfer. I, I personally 
you know, I've had the Arcos. I've probably played five rounds with it so far. Uh, and it has truly opened my eyes to some things. Like I said, I, I think I'm stronger than I am. So that's, you know, that's a great tool to have. Is it something I'll keep forever and I'll monitor and I'll live and die by? Probably not. But for right now, I'm learning quite a bit. I'm seeing things. Like I said, four, I think it was 46% of my shots are short on all my irons. So I need to club up. Um, but it's, you know, the rain. I'm also the type that like, I'll leave a rangefinder in a cart easy. And then, you know, I'll get an ass chew in the second I get home. All right, now that we know what your strength and weaknesses are, and we also know that you carry that bumblebee-looking bag, what do you uh, what do you keep in those bags? What sticks you got? Yeah, I uh, made the investment of some tailor-made M4 irons and wedges. Went out and got fitted for them, which is highly recommended. Uh, I think everyone should get out there, see a local fitter if you're getting serious about your golf game and and want to get fitted for the right clubs. Um, so yeah, went out and grabbed those, grabbed a, uh, Ping G SF tech driver, the SF obviously standing for straight flight technology. Still haven't figured out that piece of it, but I've at least got the G part going. Uh, you, you convinced me on that one. So like most golfers, I'm, I'm a mental midget. I'll, I'll take whatever I can get. Um, scooped up, a play a tailor-made M2 three iron hybrid. This thing was a $50 find at a local golf shop used. That's perfect for me. And then um, up on the green on the dance floor, I like to employ the uh, Odyssey two ball putter. It's got one of those fat grips on it. Um, I, I I tell everyone like my 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 putting's so good, right? It's like I I could putt with a twig. It really doesn't matter. Um, that's kind of what's in my bag. Golf ball. We've talked about it. anyone that's followed our uh, Instagram posts. You know, I, I use whatever I can find at the golf courses. For a while, I tried playing the Snells. Went through a couple different phases. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm back on whatever's found at the local course. That's my bag, man. What do you, uh, in, you want to enlighten us a little bit about what you've got in yours? Yep. So I, uh, like, like you as well, I started taking my golf a little more serious and uh, got fitted for a set of Ping I-210 irons. And the fitting process, which I'd love to go into more in the future here, have someone that does it come on. But they make you feel like, like you're the greatest thing to ever walk through that door. I mean, it was crazy. The guy was inflating my ego the whole time uh, I knew what I wanted and I knew I got what I wanted but he he made it sound so great uh, after that I, I invested in a uh, g400 SF tech driver as well uh, the three wood the g400 and then I uh, got a little hardo there trying to be a badass and I got me a uh, tailor-made ultimate driving iron a two iron there and uh it's one of those clubs I have. I like to hit it. I'm not confident enough to hit it. I should probably take it out and put like a five wood in there or something. But I've got that. I've got a set of uh, RIP and Peace Scratch Golf. Uh, I know National Customs is now what Scratch was at the time, but I've got a full set of uh, Scratch uh, wedges. Yeah, I thought. I honestly thought you were going to say RIP and Peace. I thought you were going to talk about some Nike, the old Nike cavity backs that pretty much every kid had growing up. I have I actually have a set of those sitting on the garage floor, the uh, Sasquatch, but I don't game those. Ooh. I got those from a buddy. So, uh, but no, the the scratch golf, I found those. I, I think they're uh, beautiful clubs and uh, I've got a set of those. And then like I talked about, I've got a uh, putter that I stole from dad, a uh, little B that was a belly putter, an anchor putter that I've trimmed down. I'm not anchoring. I'm not uh, anchoring on the forearm or anything like that. It's just uh, cut down to about 35. And for the balls, everybody probably has seen the the uh, company out there that did the massive golf ball research uh, this past year. 
And in it, they talked about how important it is to play one singular ball. So I've gone from the Bridgestones, I think it was the B330s, two seasons ago. I played the Snell Blacks, and now I'm currently on the uh, the old Tiger Balls, the Bridgestone uh, BXSs right there. I tried those out and really liked them. Yeah, I mean, if it's if it's good enough for Tiger Woods, it's obviously got to be good enough for you. So let those things fly. Yeah. And also, I, a, a quick follow-up too, right? If any of our followers have that Nike – Sasquatch driver, please send us a picture of you or a video of you hitting it. We would love to hear that uh, dented aluminum can sound that it makes. Uh, craving that. Yes, for sure. Uh, yeah, send us all your old clubs. We've got a bunch. Uh, you know, we're like I said, uh, we're hackers generally. And uh, I'll, I'm going to say it now, like I said, I spent the money on the irons. We both did, and everything else out of my bag is either acquired tactfully or uh, bought used from one of the on, online sites. So uh, I'd love to do in the future here, go over the, the topics of buying new clubs versus old clubs, lightly used, whatever. Uh, but again, most of my stuff, well, I guess my, my driver, my three wood and my driving iron are all used the, uh, the wedges I, I built myself just out of for something to do last winter. So yeah, that's pretty much my, my bag right there. Uh, pretty standard i i would love to say i hit everything clean but that's pretty much what i got but i am one of those guys that likes to tinker with my setups i've got a couple hybrids that i pull out from time to time swap things in and out so i'm definitely a tinkerer trying to find what's the best setup for me now that we've gone over strengths weaknesses what we like to what we game and uh what tools we have and all that what what are some of your uh, favorite courses you've ever played yeah, I'll go uh, sort of with the big three lineup here, right, for myself. So um, two years back, had the pleasure of playing down in uh, Myrtle Beach, down on Polly's Island. There's a course called the Caledonia Fish and Golf Club. Uh, this place has a grand entrance to it. It's got what I would figure Magnolia Lane feels like, right? It's got these kind of weeping willows that drape over, leading up to this big, beautiful uh, Southern-style clubhouse. Um, this course is uh, very cool. A lot of water, a lot of like high weeds that are overgrown. There's some alligators on the golf course. Um, one sweet thing that they do have that I have to call out is between uh, nine and 10 when you're making the turn, they've got this like old weathered shack right on the side uh, of the tee box, like this old beat up building. And there's a guy in there who makes this famous uh, clam chowder that they hand out to you. And Cole, you'll obviously know, right? We grew up in New England. I actually don't eat seafood, but I absolutely devoured this clam chowder when I was down there. Uh, it was so good. It was too good not to have it. I mean, it was just like a tradition thing. I, I had to indulge. Um, so yeah, Caledonia Fish and Golf Club in Polly's Island, uh, South Carolina is the first. Number two, I, I got to give a shout out. Uh, we were in Scottsdale last year. First time playing desert golf for me and had the pleasure of playing a course called Quintero. Um, just outside of Scottsdale in Peoria. Um, I put up a double burger that day. For those who are not familiar, that's uh, 250s added up. Um, but it was one of the coolest places I've ever played, right? Desert golf, but everything in the fairways, like bright green, everything rolls on and on and on. Um, tabletop greens that are just like glass, very hard to hold everything, um, but, but a good challenge. A cool little story about this place is, for those who have played there, they'll feel my pain. As you pull up to the clubhouse, drop your clubs off and then, you know, grab your cart and you're like, all right, where's the range? And they're like, yeah, we got a range. It's about a mile down the road. And you initially think they're joking, um, but they're dead serious. And I don't know if you've ever gone a mile in a golf cart, but it, it, it takes a little bit. So you have to kind of wind your way up and down the hills uh, just to get out to this beautiful range. It's kind of like down hitting down a Canyon. Um, 
but a really unique experience. Last up, got to give a shout out to the big dog, Pebble Beach. Uh, I had the pleasure of taking uh, my father there in January of this year. Uh, played Pebble and Spyglass back to back. Some more double burgers out there for me. Um, the bunkering absolutely killed me. These really like steep bunkers hitting to really tight greens. But overall, I felt it was a pretty fair layout. Uh, it's just as magical as you would think it was on TV. Uh, one in a million type of trip, but it was absolutely amazing. Um, I mean, hitting downhill to seven, I think I hit about a pitching wedge or a sand wedge out there. Um, thankfully, there was no wind when we went in January. But yeah, those, those are my big three over the past few years that I really enjoyed. Um, kind of all over the country, but um, it's it's been a, a joy to play. What about you? You got any favorites? I don't I don't know if my lineup is the uh, like this as sexy as yours is right. But in all seriousness, I think no. I've got a couple. I've got a couple uh, decent ones on there, and uh, in no particular order, I'll start off with one that I played this past October. It's called the uh, Gulf Shores Golf Club in Gulf Shores, Alabama. Uh, Gulf Shores, that whole area, the Orange Beach area along the redneck riviera as it is affectionately known there's a bunch of good golf down there and this was one of the ones that i just kind of threw in there on a on a whim and gave it a shot because i could get a tee time and it wasn't overly as expensive and it blew me away with just the the styling there was you know the the architecture everything about it it was beautiful the front nine had some serious kind of master's vibes to it bright green they had this the straw underneath the trees there it was amazing uh played an early morning round by myself and just cruised through this course and was blown away by its beauty, the strategy that went into playing the, playing the course. And it wasn't overly long and it wasn't overly difficult, but it was just a beautiful, enjoyable round of golf. That's one I definitely remember. Uh, the second one is the course that everybody knows, and it's the, it is the bell of the ball on the social media, but uh, it's Sweetens Cove. And it, uh, we had the chance to play that together with Dad before y'all hit up the Masters last year. And admittedly I went into the course thinking that I was going to be changed. I was going to be like that old infomercial or that late night TV where, you know, the, the lady walks up and says, I've got cancer and the, the preacher touches her forehead. She faints to the ground and she's forever cured. I thought that Sweetens was going to be that for me. That was going to be my Holy grail moment. And I shit the bed that day. I didn't, I was looking for too much and I didn't accept for what it was or play my game. I tried to play this different style game. But looking back on it, I cannot wait to get back there. Uh, it was some of the craziest golf I've ever played, the craziest course. It was challenging. It was that, like, it looks so easy. It's right in front of you. Just do it, and it's still a challenge to hell out of me. I cannot wait to make a return trip back there. I know we're planning that here uh, this spring. So if anybody's looking to get out there around April, we'll be out there. Check it out. Uh, but, yeah, so Sweetens is up there. Yeah, and anyone that wants to join us, you guys just bring the beers and uh, we'll ride in the car with you. That works. That works for us. Um, and the third one is one that I touched on earlier. It, and it, you know, it's kind of a, it was a, a sentimental one, I guess you could say, but it was, it's a beautiful course and it's called the Peninsula up in uh, Lancaster, Kentucky. Again, if you're up in that area, check it out. It's a Pete Dye. It's his, uh, it's Pete Dye's gift to Kentucky golf. And it's right there on a, on a lake. And just the scenery is beautiful. The layout of the course is beautiful. You're out in the horse country. It's never really busy. They have a great stay and play packages. They've got villas right there on the course. It's a beautiful course, not overly long, very fair, very well maintained. And the architecture and the views are outstanding. So that's one of the, those are probably my top three 
um, that I've ever played or, or that I'm, you know, playing now. Yeah, no, those are, those are a good three. I think we've got a nice diverse mix of courses. One question for you of, of your bucket list, right? There's all, of course, amazing courses all over the world. There's highly private exclusive clubs. What's kind of on your gettable bucket list, right? Like we'd all love to play Augusta. I don't think that's a reality for a majority of us. Any courses that are on kind of your gettable bucket list? I'd love, to, I'd love to play the country club in Brookline, Massachusetts. Uh, growing up in Massachusetts, that was kind of always the big one there. That one's definitely on there. Uh, I'd love to get out west, maybe play like a Pasatiempo or a Tory or something like that. I've never been out west. It would be cool. Pebbles up there, obviously. Um, and then up, I am – smitten with ireland golf right now so that's on that's going to happen that's a very gettable that's gonna happen that's one of the ones that uh i'm sure we've all seen the uh little documentary which was superbly done about a uh, group of golfers that played over in ireland here this past year and i am taken with the beauty of ireland golf so that's that's on the list of one that's going to be gettable here within the next 10 years what about you yeah, sign me up for Ireland too. The only, you know, the big gettable one that's on my list, obviously living in New York City, being so close to Bethpage, it's an affordable place to play. I, I've got to get out to the black. I've got to walk that course and take a beating from it. Um, but yeah, it would be foolish of me not to get out there and play. I think, you know, resident rates are hovering around like $80 to play the black. Obviously there's a sign up system and a process, but it'd be stupid not to get out there. That's probably my... The biggest one, and then my more of a stretch would be up uh, to Cabot to the cliffs. Um, I, being from New England, I can appreciate kind of the rocky, jagged clo- uh, coastline. Cabot's unlike anything I've ever seen before. A um, little bit out of the way, a little bit tough to get to, but that's a place where I, I definitely have to check it out one time. Yeah, I, I would love to do some of those resort courses where you, you know two or three different courses: the Bandons, the Stream Songs, the Cabot. So definitely, and. Uh, let me know how it works out on the, on the, uh, on the black up there. Let me know. Cause you can make it happen. Absolutely. All right. So that kind of wraps up where we're at on, uh, you know, who we are, what we are, what we're about, what we're gaming, what we're hoping, where we've been. Uh, let's transition now before we close the show out to uh, a preview of this week's uh, century tournament of champions. This is a 34 man field with all past winners from uh, the 2000, I guess it'd be eight, nine, 18, 19 season leading into 20. Uh, it's, it's being played over at the plantation course in Kapalua. Fun fact. I don't know if many people know this. Did you know this was Corin Crenshaw's debut course as a tandem? Did you know that? I didn't have a clue to be honest with you. I didn't either. And of all the courses that they've designed, that was not the one that I thought they started out with. It was recently remodeled. Uh, the purpose of it was that they said that the, so much play and so much maintenance on it, that the balls weren't rolling out like they were in the past. And then, the, just with the upkeep of it, They'd lost some of the angles on the green. Some of the uh, slopes were off. So it, it should be a good tournament with a revamped uh, layout with the renovation being done. Uh, this week in the field, you've got uh, three previous winners. You've got um, Mr. Paulina Gretzky, DJ, the only two-time winner of the tournament. You've got Justin Thomas, and you've got our boy, affectionately our boy, Patrick Reed. What's your takes on the uh, – are you excited for January golf in Hawaii in primetime? 
Yeah, I'm ready for the swing to start up. Let's get it going in 2020. Um, Kapalua is a beautiful place up in the northwest corner of Maui, right? You've got that plantation course. I, I love that they're complaining about the conditions and balls not rolling out. They're like, we need, you know, 390-yard drives aren't enough. We need them rolling 420, 430. I think that's great for television and guys like me to watch. Um, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's funky, right? It's a par 73. Um, there's a lot of good competition, obviously a smaller field. Um, I was obviously tinkering with my uh, gambling book, seeing who was the favorite leading into the weekend, and it was Johnny Rom actually. Dumpy, yeah. dumpy John Rom. He's looking yeah. portly after a wedding. Congratulations yeah. to him, but you need to start hitting the gym again there, uh, Big Hoss. Yeah, congrats on the sex, John. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> clean it up. Uh, yeah, so there's there's a bunch of good guys at small field, like we said. I I think there's some guys that won here before. Um, I, it's a tough one, right? It's a toss-up. Who are uh, any guys you're feeling, you know, froggy about that you really like this week? I'm going to – I like Justin Thomas. Uh, I like him a lot. He played great at the President's Cup. He's hot right now. He finished out the season strong. I think he's definitely my, like, big-name pick if I was going to go with one of the big-time guys on tour. If we're looking at a guy that's kind of an unknown, that's, you know, hanging around, he's, he's obviously a winner, but he's not that top-caliber guy. I like Ches Revy a lot. One, because his name is Chez. Uh, two, because the guy pures irons all over the course. So I think he, I mean, if that ball's rolling out, like we talked about, that three, not, you know, getting up to the 350s, 400s or whatever, then when they roll out, those irons in are going to be good for him. And he's a, he's a great uh, iron approach player. What about you? Who do you like? Yeah, that's some good picks right there. Um, I think uh, I'm going to go with, uh, for my pick, is Mr. Xander Shoffley. Uh, no big reason other than he won it last year. Um, this guy's game is good all over the place from, you know, tee to green. I uh, like his mentality. So I think he's kind of a quiet guy that just gets it done, doesn't say much. Um, and then my long shot, I, I have no reason to pick this guy other than I just like that he reps Nike and looks pretty crispy is uh, Keith Mitchell. Shout out uh, Chattanooga. Shout out University of Georgia. Go dogs. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd love to see this guy make some moves. He's, uh, he's had an interesting career so far. He had the one win at the Honda last year. Uh, but I have no reason for picking him this week. I just hopefully he can surprise some people. I mean, like you said, they're, they're, these guys are proven winners on tour, but it's that those undercard, those, those underdog guys that are not the household names. So, yeah, that, that, this again, this is going to be on – Starting Thursday, it's a four-day tournament, no cut, primetime TV. So it'll definitely be, I'll definitely be tuned in. I'm excited. I think this is kind of the start of the golf season. You kind of get the bigger names out there. You get the good competition. So I'm excited. Before we wrap up the show here, I know we're, we're in the brand new year. It's 2020, new decade, as they say. What are some of your – or what is one of your golf resolutions that you have for this year going forward? Yeah, I know. I've been thinking about this long and hard. I think um, what I came up with was, right, uh, I don't get to play a ton of golf. I don't have the luxury of just kind of hopping in the car and scooting over to the driving range or walking to the local course and beating balls all day. Um, so my time there is limited. I really want to try to focus and maximize the reps that I get and like actually focus on the balls I hit. So instead of hitting 100 balls and just keep repeating over and over swings i want to focus and kind of cut that down hit 40 good swings where i'm fully focused um i, I like i said don't have the luxury of being out there for 10 hours a day we all have day jobs uh, only get so many chances at the golf course so it's really making it count while you're there how about you i think my big one this year is is to kind of just like swing my swing you know be comfortable in my own swing 
I, I've said it in the past. I love Patch Creed because he hits that low. It starts low and then it climbs that draw that drops out probably 10, 15 feet, you know, from right to left. I want to hit that shot so bad. You know how many times I've hit that shot on a golf course? Zero. Yet I try to do it all the time. I naturally have a, like, like a baby fade, but I'll, I'll still aim right and try to draw it left and just end up further right. I just have to be comfortable in my swing. That's going to be my big thing this year is swing my own swing. Quit trying to hit these shots that I know I can't hit. Yeah. Over time, I might be able to develop them, but I don't need to do it right now. I need to swing with what I've got. Yeah, fair enough. The only other thing um, I, I wanted to close out with, and we, we might try to introduce this uh, on every episode, right? Is any, well, you know, what's good golf advice that you've received? I figure we've got a bunch of people out here listening to the podcast that watch a ton of YouTube videos, read a ton of books, subscribe to magazines. They're getting so much information that it's almost overbearing. But are there any key tips that you've learned throughout your career that have really helped you out that are easy to describe over a podcast and, and just a quick learn for someone to help improve their game? Yeah, one of the biggest ones I took away from the past year was, you know, just like many of us, probably maybe how you even found us, just perusing through Instagram. I came across a guy, an instructor named Jake Hutt, which I'm sure we've all seen, Purina. Uh, out of Stanford, he talks about to uh, deaden the ball and soften the ball and quit it from rolling out. You need to get your left shoulder, if you're a righty golfer, your right shoulder, if you're a lefty golfer, get that shoulder out of the way on the chips. Open up the club face and get that left shoulder out of the way quick, which will allow the ball to land softly, maybe check up for you if you got enough speed or you hit it just right. The guys get some great information, uh, great little videos under a minute, and I've, I've really enjoyed watching his stuff. And I've, that was one of the ones that stuck with me that I used throughout this past year, and it's helped me tremendously in my short game. I know we played two years ago, and I was skull-fucking balls across the green repetitively. I yeah, found this video, and it, yeah, it helped me out big time. So what about you? What, what do you think one of your biggest uh, pieces of yeah. advice that you can share? I'm just like you, right? I'm a consumer of so many things, but one uh, one piece of advice I found extremely helpful is on uh, on the green when we're putting, right? So we all have a tendency to to make a nice smooth takeaway, and then once we're kind of on the downswing and accelerating to hit the ball, we all tend to kind of pick our head up because we're so excited to see where that ball is going to go, right? We've got that 40-foot snake putt. We want to watch it the entire way so we can kind of admire the beauty of our shots. Um, one tip that I've learned is to kind of steady that head and hold on steady at least a second or so after you've made contact with the ball, right? So it's a steady head, swing back, steady head, swing forward. Let contact happen. You hear that nice sound, that good feeling. Keep your head still as can be just for a second or so. You're going to miss the first couple feet of your putt, right? But that allows you to make a much cleaner stroke. So it's actually worked quite a bit for me. I don't always do it because, like I said, I'm a mental midget. But when I do, I, I get pretty good results. I remember at uh, Pebble Beach this year at the at the Open there, they did a whole segment on how Tiger, how his head stays so still. You know, they can put a, put a circle around his head and his head's not going to move within that circle. Definitely a great piece of advice. I need that with my own putting game. I think I'm a very good putter, but I can always get better. So if you guys have any of these tips or anything that you guys want to talk about or any little cheats that you guys have, hit us up. Let us know. We'd love to hear them. We'd love to try them. We'd love to talk about them. So definitely, you know, communicate those topics with us. Again, we want to thank you guys for rolling with us here on our third episode and being, you know, pretty loyal fans and checking us out and giving us a shot. We truly do appreciate it. Make sure you like the podcast and subscribe. You know, let's build up that community. Let's build up that forum. We love the interaction on, on uh, Instagram. 
We're on Twitter now at chasing par pod. Hit us up, communicate. We're pretty, pretty involved as much as we can be around our own work schedules, but we love the banter. I know, I know you love that. I love it. And we're looking for more of that. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're alive on all sorts of different channels. Podcast is up on Apple, Spotify, a bunch of different networks. We've got the social media going, reach out to us, right? The whole point of doing this was, you know, obviously this gives us time to catch up with one another, but we want to interact with the fans, other people who are in the same spot as we are on the golf course, right? We're all hackers. We're all trying to improve our game. Um, let's let's kind of do it as one community. So, yeah, with that, thanks for listening, joining on the first three podcasts. This is the first one of 2020, many more to come, and uh, just keep chasing it. So, again, check us out. Hit that like, hit that subscribe. We'll see you all next week. Plan on dropping one here soon. Again, thanks for rolling with us. Keep chasing it. Yeah.